Well, welcome back. Welcome anew to the Further Faster podcast. I'm Joseph McClendon III, and I'll be your guide, your host, and maybe even your mentor for this next little while to do exactly what the name implies, assist you in going further, faster, in becoming what we call wealthy. And around here, wealthy means to be healthy, happy, and financially abundant. And you are in for a treat today. I just actually met this amazing man about two weeks ago. I'll tell you about that here in just a little while. But this man, now I, I hope you are as well, which is maybe why you're listening to us now. I'm a firm believer in learning from OPE, other people's experiences. And this man has had some experiences, one in particular that hopefully he'll tell us about, that a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the human beings that have ever been on the planet have experienced. So grab a pad and paper. You know how we roll up here. Grab a pad and paper, and I'll be right back with Dan Clark. Well, welcome back to the Further Faster podcast. I'm really, really excited to introduce you to my guest today. I actually just met this man, and actually, we probably met several years ago. I know we kind of run in some of the same circles. His name is Dan Clark, and I met him in Reno, Nevada a couple of weeks ago. We were both on stage doing uh, TED Talks, and uh, when I heard him talk and heard about him and what he's done and what he will do... Um, it was an absolute fit for our show to go further faster. His name is Dan Clark, and he's the founder and CEO of an international leadership, leadership development company, a high-performance business coach, New York Times bestselling author of 35 books, international podcaster, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete. And he's spoken to over 6 million people in all 50 states in 71 countries, including most of the four, I'm sorry, Fortune 500 companies, Super Bowl champions, NASA, and our combat troops. He's honored by the U.S. President Ronald Reagan with the Presidential Service Award, received the United States Distinguished Service Medal presented by the U.S. Department of Defense, and was the international recipient of the prestigious Air Force American Spirit Award. Dan teaches that self is not discovered, self is created. And the only person you need to be is better than the person you were yesterday. Dan Clark, welcome to Further Faster. Thank you, Joseph. You're definitely one of my heroes. I speak for millions. I first saw you as I re, uh, recapped uh, on a stage of a Tony Robbins event. Yes. You know, Unleash the Power Within in West Palm. And everybody comes in search of Tony Robbins for four days. And after the first day, he disappears and turns the microphone and stage and audience <laughs> over to you. And we had an excess of 9,000 yeah. at the event I was uh, at. And, uh, you know, sitting there and on the front row, you not only mesmerized the audience, but you took us on an emotional roller coaster ride and engaging both the, the left brain and right brain. So you're truly the epitome of the neuroscience degree, the neuropsychology degree that you that you hold. And it's an honor to just team up with you today and see what we can come up with in an interview. 
Well, thank you so much for the kind words and right back at you because I was mesmerized uh, listening and watching you speak. And I'm so glad. And just so you know that this is a video cast as well as a podcast. So I want people to be able to see your smiling face and that twinkle in your eye as well. (laughs) So, you know, your philosophies and the things that you talked about from the stage. I do want you to talk about the adventure that you told us all about as well here in just a little bit. But share with us a little bit about the concept that you have, which I love, by the way, that self is created. You know, the best because I'm a storyteller, the best analogy I could get is if we all hopped on the same bus, if we got off this this podcast and we hopped on the same bus and we had a discussion of what everybody seems to want us to talk about as professional speakers. And they always want us to talk about change. Mm. Clark, when you talk about change, regardless of the theme of the conference and I'm primarily a keynote speaker. Yeah. Talk about change. Talk about change. I love to ask my audiences, how many of you woke up this morning and says, I'm going to change. I I think I want to be different and everybody's fooling themselves. Nobody wants to change. And everybody says the constant in life is change. And no, the constant in life is our resistance to change. And so when we're in a situation with loved ones or coworkers and they want to pacify or maybe dilute their desire for us to change, they'll say, hey, go find yourself. Why don't you take some time (laughs) off and go find yourself? Mm -hmm. If you need some time alone, go find yourself. And where do most people go find themselves? Boulder, Colorado. So if every one of us today hopped on a bus and we pulled into Colorado, Boulder, Colorado, we would actually see people walking out in the bushes with backpacks on looking for themselves. (laughs) They think they can find themselves, you know, hey, come out from behind that tree. We feel like we can hide and go seek with ourselves. Where have you been my whole life? My point is self is not discovered. Self is created. No matter what your past has been, you have a spotless future which ties into the theme of your podcast and every word that I've heard fall from your lips as a keynote speaker, my friend, the goal is to take us from where we are to where we want to be. No doubt. No doubt. Reminding again, no matter what our past has been, we have a spotless future. We can't always control what happens, but we can always control what happens next. Dude, I absolutely love that. That's the first time I've heard that. No matter what our past is, we have a spotless future and it is the absolute truth. So it is what we do. You know, I always say that, the spoils in life don't go to those who just want and desire and, and, and uh, you know, have this passion for something. The spoils in life come and go to those who get up and do something about it and create that future that they want. And Absolutely. you are such an example of that as well. Some of the experiences that you've had as well. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to lean into this one really hard first, and then we'll come away from that. You shared with us an experience that I, I, as I started the show off, I said that, you know, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the people since the history of all mankind have ever had this experience. And I want everybody to hear this experience, if you will, you know what I'm yeah. talking about yeah. uh, and, and what you came away from with it. So a few years ago on October 12th, I had a, rare opportunity to soar to the edge of space in a U-2 reconnaissance aircraft. And I had intensified my training for about two months to lose a required 29 pounds. (laughs) And I checked onto the base for a full day of systems orientation. And then they fitted me into my 130 pound spacesuit. I climbed aboard the aircraft with my commander. We took off and we rapidly climbed to 17 miles above the Earth's surface. Wow. 
where for five hours I sat in the sounds of silence, looking at the breathtaking curvature of the earth, gazing into the endless blackness of the universe, pondering eternity in my place in it. And as I love to share, Joseph, uh, you know, Branson and Bezos, they also went to space a lot yes. higher than I did, but their entire adventure launch to landing only lasted 11 minutes. Right. And they right. only saw the curvature of the earth for one minute. And when they landed, even Captain Kirk, the only response they had for the rest of the world is it changed my life forever. Mm. And that's not enough because when you have that rare experience, I believe we're called to share yes. the life lessons that we learned. And I learned so many things because as I sat in the sounds of silence in that environment, that awestruck environment of space, it allowed me to reminisce on some of the life lessons that I've learned from the significant emo emotional events in my life that I also shared in my TED Talk, but I also share with anyone in, within the sound of my voice. One of which is in our world of, of entitlement, in our world of existentialism, in our world of lack of gratitude, in our world of self-centered materialism, I still think it's very, very important for us to talk about spirituality without offending anyone. Right. Oh, and what occurred to me at, at, at 17 miles above the Earth's surface was a quote by, or two quotes by Albert Einstein, that although the concept of a master organizer and a supreme being is complex, we must embrace the mindset of a young child who walks into a large library and says, surely someone must have written all these books. Right. And what he reminds us about in our materialistic work world, in every aspect of our lives, is that the mind once stretched can never return to its original dimensions. Full circle, self is not discovered, self is created based on the books we read, what we put into our minds, the people we meet, the amazing speakers and, and technical teachers and guides such as you, Joseph, who can take us to the next level simply by changing what we believe and up-leveling our cultural experience. Yes. So when I landed, if I had not let that once-in-a-lifetime experience change me forever, I would be selfish and I would be unappreciative of this, this experience that, that, that no, not everybody gets. And one thing that you didn't hear me pontificate about was that when we landed, what occurred to me is that everything we can take with us when we die, I had aboard with me on that aircraft. Our education, we don't learn to know, we learn to do. Knowledge is power, but it has no heart. Right. In a humorous way, all the information in the world is going to make a person successful. It's like the guy who has three PhDs, one in philosophy, one in psychology, one in sociology, doesn't have a job, but at least he can explain why. My point Reason leads to conclusions, but it is emotion that leads to action. The third thing we can take with us when we die is our conviction. What do we really believe? Yeah. What are our absolutes? And then number four, did our lives matter? I don't think when we die, we lose our memory. And did our lives matter? Did we make a difference? Did everybody leave us saying, I like me best when I'm with you. I want to see you again. Mm -hmm. And so in that atmosphere of, of, of 17 miles above the earth's surface, I took time to pause long enough in those sounds of silence to reflect back on the sounds of silence. I also 
felt and experienced in a hospital when I was paralyzed from a football injury for 14 months, when 16 doctors basically said no hope, 15 of whom said I would never recover. Only one said I could get back up and go again and create myself into the person I still dream to be. Dude, that is so spectacular. Thank you for that. And, and I do want to talk about your that other experience as well here in a moment. But a couple of things came up from uh, what you were saying there. And you know, most most of us don't like to th think of ourselves as being self-centered or ungrateful. Um, and you said, use the word entitled. That's just, to me, a fancy word for being ungrateful. Um, because, and it's not intentional. I think that we are conditioned to be that way through media, through social media, through all the things that are input to us all the time, which is why, you know, I have you on this show is because your input that you're, that, you, that people get from you, listening to you speak, listen to your experiences, listening to the things that you have learned, that's a different type of input. That's an input that enters a different part of the brain. As long as people are receptive to that, then at the very least, I always look at it like this, at the very least, you move the needle towards the positive, at the very least, a little bit. And at the very most, you're going to move it and do what you call change their lives. And I love what you said about spirituality. I feel exactly the same way. Whatever your religion, whatever your, your deity is, whatever it is, not believing that there's some sort of spirituality in all of this is, I heard the old saying, I don't know who said this, but, but it's, like, it's like believing that the dictionary mm -hmm. is a result of an explosion in a print factory. You know, <laughs> you know they're, they're, what yeah. I like to say is religion is for those who are afraid to go to hell, spirituality is for those of us who have already been there. <laughs> Damn! Kind of dissects <laughs> the difference. And we can have both because we become the average of the five people we associate with the most. No doubt. It's still okay to find our fellows, our fellowship, our no support doubt. system. But it still boils down to a relationship with deity, a relationship with who we are and what we were born with the potential to become. I call that being magnificent, magnifying the essence of who we are. The essence came, you know, with that spark of life when mama and daddy got together. Bam, there it is. It's there. And, you know, that's, again, another reason, one of the reasons why I have you on the show is you are such an example of that through your hardships, through your, the joys that you've had, the experiences that you've had. The man that you are is amazing, obviously, with all the stuff. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I only read a portion of this man's experiences and, and his qualifications. If I'd have done everything, it would have taken the entire show. And uh, the legacy part of it that you talk about, you know, I have, I've got a little bit different. I, I want to run this by you, what you think about this. I believe that, you know, most of us think about legacy as being, like you said, you know, when I'm dead and gone, the saying, I hope I quote you right on this, did people say, I like being with them, I wish I was with them more, you know, yeah, when sure. you're gone or something to that nature. I, I believe that that is part of it as well. But to me, legacy means just when I'm not in their presence, when I'm gone, when I'm not around, when I'm, you know, I may, I'm going to still live. But when people either remember consciously or unconsciously or or move in a certain way because of something that I've said or an experience that I've had with them, then that's my legacy left behind as well. And you, my friend, are doing and have done such an unbelievable job on a professional yeah. level, as well as, you know, like I said, I met you at the TED Talk and I watched what you did to quote you know, not ordinary people, but, you know, people that came to just get to, to learn that kind of thing. And in my personal opinion, I want your opinion on this, if you would. My personal opinion is there's not enough of, of what you're throwing down, what you're putting out there by not enough people. You agree with me? 
Yeah. You know, I love one of my passions is to teach public speaking and storytelling. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we, I always ask people is if you really want to be a public speaker, you have to ask yourself, what are you a subject matter expert? Exactly. What life lessons have you had that have taught you life lessons worth sharing? Number two, why, why do you think you have to tell that story? And number three, we can't just tell our stories. What we have to do is work with a company and solve one problem that they have and how can we serve them? So when we tell our stories and share our experiences, we do that with the intent of teaching and lifting others up so that that they truly leave different than they were when they met us. And when we can focus in on the life lessons that we've learned and pause long enough at the beginning of every day or at the end of every day and analyze what we learned today that we've never learned before, number one, it validates that day. But number two, it reminds us about our moral obligation to reach out and help anyone within the sound of our voice, especially without the sound of our voice, just watching us to lift them up, give them hope, give them a direction. I loved how you introduced yourself at the beginning of the show. You're truly a guide because I've never seen you on stage say, do this, do this. I've always seen you say, I'm inviting you to join my mindset. I'm inviting Mm -hmm. you to join my journey. I'm inviting you to join my coaching program and learn how to neuroencode through your amazing, you know, train the trainer program. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I believe that everyone has a story. But most of us who think we're afraid to speak or don't feel compelled to share that story is because we haven't taken the time to figure out what life lessons we've learned. And one of the things that you that you you kind of came to my rescue in 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 Reno, my friend, mm-hmm. because in the meet, middle of my talk, I broke down emotionally because right. I sure I remember on that mm-hmm. experience I had in the hospital while I was battling back from football injury, paralyzed for those fourteen months. And afterward, you came right up to me, looked me square in the eyes, and you said, "Do not apologize. That is being human. That made you." a better communicator. Like I said before, reason leads to conclusions, but it is emotion that leads to action. And the mm-hmm. number one connector in the humanity family of humanity is authenticity. That's what you share with the world, Joseph. That's what you epitomize. That's what you exemplify. And that day you came to my rescue to say, Dan, it's okay to be you. And when you were you and didn't hold back the tears I had perhaps a greater impact on my audience because they knew that I was in the moment believing what I was saying and that if I did it, you can too. No doubt. And I, I was in the audience and experiencing exactly what they were feeling. I, I, when, when I do something like that, as a matter of fact, that was such a rare experience for me because I'm you know, at the risk of sounding arrogant. I'm always the guy on the stage. Uh, but this time I got to sit in the audience and you moved everybody. And I truly meant what I said. And that that humanness is what people need to feel more than ever now, because we, our lives are filled with actors uh, in, in terms of input, actors, actresses and and, uh, you know, people that are showing us what they want us to see on social media or whatever. And we're filled with that. And the humanity side of it is is it little tiny pieces. And to, so so. To bring out that part of being human, and as you said before, I love what you said, Dan, with regard to you know what did you what do you bring to the to the stage, the experience that you had, and the lessons that you've had when you talk about things like that, when people express those things. It doesn't have to be from the stage. When we're talking to our children, when we're talking to other people, we're talking to our friends, family, you know, people that are around. 
We come from the place of caring, which is the point I wanted to make. And then we're going to hop up out of here in just a second. I come back because I want to hear more about your other experience. But when we come from the heart and when we talk to people and and we have an experience and, and we talk to them about about where we've been, the lessons that we've had, and we come genuinely, here's what happens inside is people get to go, yeah, me too. Yeah, that's like me too. And that's what people need. And more than ever, in my opinion, right now. Yeah, me too. That's all I like you said, Dan, he did it. So because he did it, I can do it as well. And what you said with regard to what we teach uh, in terms of the neuroencoding is is to is to give people the tools to do that because one of the things that I love about what you Dan is you not only just tell people this story and everything and you give them the lesson kind of thing and I have a saying that uh, that that I said it before that the spoils go to those that do and there's so little technology out there if you will or there's so little process out there for people to get that courage to be able to change how they think, for them to change how they feel. You know, you said it before, action is, is a result of emotion. Well, what precedes action is always our psychology, what we think of ourselves, what we think about other people, what we think about the world around us. And I'm going to go back on your saying that we got a spotless future. Absolutely. A spotless Amen. future so we can always make that change. And that's the beauty of, again, it's the reason why we do this podcast. I know it's the reason why you get up and, and bear your soul to people and tell people things and, and, and share your stuff is because we can help people, you know, not only create the future that they want or create that person that they want, but also share it with other people as well. So we're going to take a really short break and we're going to be right back. And Dan, I'd like to share with us, uh, I'd like you to share with us a little bit about the experience that you talked about before from your football injury and what you learned from that. So we'll be right back with Dan Clark. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore our complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash angel phoenix productions. Well, welcome back to the Further Faster podcast. I am honored to have as a guest here, Dan Clark, and he's been sharing us not just his experience uh, but, and what he's learned from it, but some of the lessons in life. And before we left, um, I asked Dan if he would share with us another experience that he had where he was injured and the lessons that he got from there. Share with us a little bit about that, Dan. Uh, thanks, Joseph. You know, as I teach public speaking and storytelling, I always remind everybody if you just want to become a better communicator, that's my passion. I love that. I'll invite you to join my group. But everybody one-on-one, one-on-ten in a boardroom, one-on-200 in a corporate meeting, one-on-10,000 in an arena like I've seen you on stage, everybody craves the answers to three questions, and I call it my speaker's triangle. Question number one, why should I listen to you? It's the credibility yes. piece. Have you done it? Are you currently doing it? The second question is, can I do it too with my past, with my weaknesses, with my limitations, and with my strengths? It's the possibility piece. 
And when you answer credibility and possibility, it's an inverted triangle, which is a funnel, funnel. which begs the answer to the third question. How do I do it? How do I get mm. from where I am to where I want and need to be? It's the usability piece. So we have attention, hope, and action. And I only bring that up, Joseph, because as a precursor to any storytelling situation, in any speech, in any communication, if we can take those three questions seriously and make sure that when we answer a question, we've answered the question in those three aspects. Why should I listen to you? Are you an authority? Have you done it? Can I, can I believe you? But more importantly, question number two, can I do it too? Are you sharing yes, this experience yes. with me just to entertain me? Or are you encouraging me with a tool set and techniques and strategies that I can actually do what you did? And number three, here's the plan. Here's the action. And I wanted to just lay that foundation as I just share this story, because this story isn't about me. And in, in fact, as you hear my consolidated edited version, <laughs> I really believe that I was paralyzed for a reason. And that mm -hmm. sounds so strange, but I wouldn't even have met you, Joseph, and you've clearly no changed mm -hmm. my stars and changed my life. And I wouldn't have had a chance to speak on 6,000 stages if I hadn't been paralyzed, which in one instance changed my stars. Mm -hmm. So quickly, I was a projected number one draft pick by the Oakland Raiders into the National Football League. And one day in practice, the dream ended. We had a tackling drill. Coach blew the whistle. Two of us ran into each other full speed in a violent head-on collision. My shoulder was smashed into the cutting edge of my fiberglass pads, and we slammed to the ground. And when Lyle got off of me, my eye drooped. I had lost some speech, couldn't talk anymore, which momentarily returned. But I'd severed the axillary nerve in my right deltoid muscle. It left my right side totally numb, and my arm dangled helplessly at my side. And fast forward 14 months of paralysis. I went to 16 wow. doctors, 15 of whom told me I would not recover. I would never get any better. And I love to engage everyone within the sound of my voice. Have you ever heard this? Have you ever felt this? What happens if you believe it? You never get any better. Right. And my life hit a fast moving downward spiral until I hit what I thought was rock bottom. <laughs> yes. And now I fought my way back to a 95% recovery. And the two most frequently or the three most frequently asked questions are, Clark, why did you go to so many different doctors? And the answer is I kept going from doctor to doctor until I found one who believed I would get better. And so let's just pause that for a second to make sure people understand that, yes, I'm coming from a place of credibility, but more importantly, the steps of resiliency that you can too, if you have PTS, if you've gone through the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, a devastating divorce, it does not matter if you right currently believe that you've hit rock bottom, no matter how bad it gets, please remember no one ever hits rock bottom. We hit rock foundation. We hit oh, rock. Come on, feet. come on. We hit the baseline core values and governing principles on which we were raised. So the question in resiliency, the place to begin and remember what holds us back more than anything is the limiting belief that we're supposed to figure out a, a way to focus on a future outcome when in reality, 
All we can really do is focus on the pr present process right now and begin and, yes. where we are right now. It's like ordering an Uber ride that requires that you enter in your current location. Exactly. And you lie about where you are, the directions won't work. So the question on this podcast, the question every day is, what do you believe right now? And is it deep enough, strong enough, true enough to equip you and empower you to respond to rapid change? And if not, why not? And maybe it's because you're asking the wrong questions, which held me back for 14 months. You see, I was asking the doctors how to get better when I should have been asking myself why. Mm -hmm. And once we answer why, figuring out the how-to becomes clear and simple. And once we understand the why, it becomes clear that no pain, no gain actually really means no heart, no chance, that nothing mm. happens to us, everything happens for us. Which means, as I said earlier, Joseph, that my football accident, my paralysis is clearly one of the best things no doubt. that has ever no happened doubt. for me. Mm -hmm. You see, I thought I was a football player, but in reality, that's just what I did. It's not who that's I am. What you did. And at that and time. We identify ourselves in terms of what we do instead of who we are, we become human doings. Mm -hmm. Instead of human beings, unacceptable of significance is what we seek. Spectacular. Thank you for that. And, you know, so many things that, that uh, uh, you said there really, really sparked with me. And one of the things that I look at is when you said, uh, you know, people ask themselves or, or should be asking the right question. Maybe they're not asking the right question. Well, oftentimes people will ask a question and they'll either get an answer they don't like or they'll get or they won't get an answer. Why am I so fat? Why am I broke? Why have I hit bottom? Why is this happening to me? And in uh, the neuroencoding, we always say that the why question is an endless loop question when you don't get an answer that you like or you don't get an answer that uh, you don't get an answer at all. When human beings ask why and they get that, that type of thing, it's like, I don't know why, or they get an answer that they don't like because remember, people move away from pain. It's because you're a loser. It's because this is because you're unlucky, because you're black, because you're white. Then we, we repeat the question. And so a lot of people continue to just live in that loop of asking that question over and over again, assisted by alcohol and weed and television and, and all that stuff that keeps us in that mode. I always encourage people to answer the question in the, in the way that somebody like yourself, how would Dan answer that question? How would Joseph answer that question? What is another answer and become optimistic versus pessimistic? Optimism means, to me, doesn't mean that there's everything has a silver lining and all that stuff. Optimism to me means options, seeing uh, more options. You have more options to, to, to figure something out. That's when the brain starts to think, okay, well, what can I do about this? And uh, the other thing I wanted to say is, when you, and you even did it in air quotes, thought you hit rock bottom. <laughs> and like you said, giving it a new meaning, meaning at foundation is a whole different thing because then you get to go, now I got something solid to build on. And uh, you know, I had those, experience, those experiences myself where I thought it was the bottom. Uh, listen, you can sail way, way past zero. <laughs> you can go way past broke and be in debt, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. And so pain, pain is a signal to grow, not to suffer. Absolutely. And once we learn the lesson the pain teaches us, the pain goes away. So in life, there's no mistakes, only lessons. No doubt. And I, I love that because it really is. It's a signal to wake up. You know, I always tell people there are no fearless people, but there I are people it. who fear less. I love what it. What that means is, is that, that everybody has fear. 
Everybody has stuff that, that surprises us and, and disappointment and things like that. But how long you stay in it, the less amount of time you stay in it, the quicker you get to that optimism, the quicker you're going to get change, change in yourself, change in your spirit, change in the universe around. Um, I was asked a question a little while ago, actually a couple of days ago, and the question was, Joseph, you're always in such a great mood. When was the last time you were depressed? And I got to be honest with you. I sat there and I thought for a moment and, and it was longer, a longer pause than the interviewer I uh, felt comfortable with. And he goes, come on, you can come up with something. And I go, I got to be honest with you. I can't remember when I was depressed last. And he goes, well, everybody gets depressed. And I go, yeah, I, I, I can honestly say that that's part of being a human being, you know, probably, you know, when I was a child, but I've worked on myself and recognized that I've mitigated the emotion attached to it so much that I don't go back to those places. But I said, here's what I will say to you. I do get disappointed. And there I is a it. difference. The I difference is... Depression is a prolonged period of time that you're experiencing hopelessness, that you're experiencing frustration, doubt, and all of those things that, that cortisol releases inside your body for days, weeks, sometimes years. Disappointment is short-lived. Disappointment means something happens and you snap your ass out of it. You go, okay, well, wait a minute. That has happened. What can I do? You're so and, profound. Where were you all those years ago? Because as I mentioned earlier, I was asked three frequently asked questions as I recovered from my paralysis. And the third one was, Clark, you must have been depressed. What did you do about it? And what I discovered that allowed me to kickstart my recovery, it's what kept me down for so long. And then when I finally had this illuminated understanding that you just shared, Joseph, that's when my recovery began. So it begins, it begins yes. with belief. It begins, it, it continues with asking better questions, the why. But I realized there's a giant difference between being depressed and being disappointed. Huge difference between being depressed and being discouraged. And most of us, when we feel down and out and feel like we've hit rock bottom, we're experiencing what we call halts. Mm. hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or sad. <laughs> and when too. we engage in any one of those five emotionally distorted conditions, we can't listen, we can't love, we can't feel, we have no compassion. We can't get back up and go again. We but lose we our don't sense need of medication reason. to recover from those no Come conditions. On. What we need is someone like you, a great podcast, a great book, a great, a great laugh, something that that triggers us out of it. or dopamine or serotonin or oxytocin, something that does not take us into that cortisol coma that gives us hope and gives us, gets us back again. And I want to point this out for a second. I'm a man of faith. So are you. And we've seen these wristbands, WWJD. <laughs> yes. And everybody <laughs> thinks, what would Jesus do? And I'm not sacrilegious. I honor God. Mm-hmm. But what would Joseph do? <laughs> Tongue in cheek, my friend. What we have to do is understand something that I learned. That we can pray all day long and we need to engage the divine. But at some point, we've got to get up off our knees, keep a prayer in our yes. heart, but stop Come praying. Come on. And take action and enter into a joint venture with heaven to do everything in our power to help make that prayer a reality, to, to answer that prayer. 
And so, yes, we have the heaven, we have the divine. Now bring it down, Joseph, my gosh, the impact you've had on my life, the impact you've had on millions over all these years in private practice and on the major stages. Well, what we need to do also, my friends, is if you don't have access to a Joseph, if you don't have access in person to someone like Joseph, and I can be so bold as to throw myself onto, Come onto on. your heap, what we learned from, from Tony Robbins, what we learned from Joseph McClendon, hopefully what you learned from me is find someone in your life right now that you have access to. Find something right now in a podcast, in a book, in a recording right now who can help you get back up and go again. Because here's what I've learned. If we live our lives in a constant state of hope, French philosopher and mathematician Pascal shakes us up. He said, too many live their lives hoping to be happy, but because they only hope, they never really are. They're like waiting for somebody to enter, to invite them to the prom, and they've never even taken the time to learn how to dance. Oh, that's so so PTS, with all of my engagement, all these years of volunteering with the military, I love our troops. I've been downrange eight times, Iraq, Afghanistan. It's been called PTSD for way too long. New science, it's not a dis disorder. It's, it's not, not a, a disorder. It is, yes. It and is when a we condition. start looking at PTS, post-traumatic stress, as an injury, now the mindset is, wait a minute. If I go through the proper steps of rehabilitation, if I change my belief, start asking better questions to get better answers, I truly can recover and heal. And I've broken my body up so many times, broken my nose, my, my neck, my back. Had my head sewn up 11 times. I've had, you know, two hernias. <clears throat> That's funny. I've had two hernias <laughs> blown out my knees. But every single time I've gone through the proper steps of rehabilitation, the injured part of my body has become stronger than it was Janet before Ward. I injured That's it. That's nature, Which yes. includes my attitude, mm -hmm. my shattered dreams, my broken heart because of people like you, Joseph McClendon III. I love you. I honor you. And I'm tempted every day to put your face on the cover of my book so I can kickstart their sales <laughs> like I joked about in Reno. Yes, you did, Dan. Thank you so, so much. I love you as well, my friend. Thank you for your pearls of wisdom. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for sharing your experiences. And I could talk to you all day long. And how do people find you? How do they find your it. books? Where do they find you? You can go on my website, danclark.com. But I'd like to invite you to, um, I'm a keynote speaker. If anyone within the sound of my voice has, is in a decision-making position or knows someone in an event planner or a corporate CEO, HR director, I want to be your keynote speaker. But to give back to the privilege of the platform, I have a coaching program I call Speak Like a Pro. And so I, I want you to invite you to join my free Facebook group. It's called Speak Like a Pro by Dan Clark. Or you can just directly contact me at my, my, my email, dan at danclark.com, and I can coach you up. I can help you write your speech. I can help you become that extraordinary, eloquent, eloquent storyteller, making sure that your communication skills as a sales professional or as a leader or as a CEO are at the highest level possible. So please reach out to me and join my free Facebook group. You'll get DM. We can keep in touch or just contact me. As I said, dan at danclark.com. 
And, and I'm not going to, I'm not going why. to, I'm going to write a song about Joseph, but it's, it's tough <laughs> on me, my friend, because I don't know what rhymes with stud muffin hunk. Of <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on that as well, but I don't think there is one. So maybe we can write that song together about yes, both sir, of us. Sir. Well, listen, Dan, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And everybody don't take that as a suggestion. As he said before, it's the doers that make, that make things happen. That's how you keep that, that spotless future. Look him up. Find him, use this man like a $3 rented mule. And I look forward to doing more of this, Dan. And remember, everybody, that life is always exactly what you dare to make it. And fortune favors the bold. So the trick to life is to boldly step up and dare to make your life magnificent. I'm Joseph McClendon III, and that my guest has been Dan Clark. Look him up, find him, and I'll see you at the top. This podcast was a production of Angel Phoenix Productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.